to, I forgot to ask those who want to stand with David to stand. But I know they'll not be offended, and I won't be offended, so we'll be okay. All right. As they're heading down, I want to talk for you, to you this morning for just a few moments about a subject that's very applicable to a day whenever we have a baptism. This idea of passing on our faith from generation to generation. You know, part of our role as parents, as educators, as mentors, as leaders in all facets of our life is to pass down our values to those who are important in our life. And our faith is one of those very important things that we're supposed to pass down. Our faith has been passed down from the very beginning, all the way through the Old Testament, from generation to generation, on to the New Testament. And so we're going to talk for just a moment about that this morning. Now before we jump into that, I want to address a couple of myths that many people have about this idea of passing on faith from generation to generation. The first myth that I see happen a lot is that people think that passing on your faith happens by osmosis. You know what osmosis is, right? It's where, where things just kind of find their equal. It just kind of happens on its own. Well, that's not the case with faith. There's, there's so many people who think that children will catch our spiritual values by simply being around the parents and the church. And while it's true that values are more caught than taught, if we're not intentional about teaching the why behind the value, they may not understand why faith matters. And let's be honest, children don't always see our best side. They may catch the wrong values displayed in our moments of weakness, which we all have. And so it's not going to just happen. That is a myth, okay? It's, it's got to be something else than osmosis. There's a couple of verses that I wanted to share with you. We had just got through talking about Joshua and how he was a really important, powerful leader who led the people of Israel through many through many triumphs, but also into a place where of favor and purpose and all that. And we see this record in Joshua 24, you may remember, it says, Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. So it was a time where the faith was shared by a lot of people. And we see that throughout history. There are times whenever countries and people have more of a collective faith and an embracing of God than others. Look what, not too, many, not too far after that, what is recorded in the book of Judges, chapter 2, verse 10. It says, after that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, that is, after that generation passed, which we're all passing, another generation grew up, and listen to this, who knew neither the Lord nor what He had done for Israel. See, it doesn't just happen by osmosis. It doesn't matter that you have faith. It doesn't matter that this particular generation has a strong faith. It's not just a guarantee that that's going to move over to the next generation. So we're going to address that in a minute. The second myth that I see people sometimes fall into the trap of is that, well, it's the job of the professionals, you know, the preachers. To pass on the faith to the next generation is the job of the clergy or the Sunday school teacher or the worship pastor or the Bible study leader. Look. That's what the church is for, they think. They, some people take themselves out of the game, feeling as if their lack of knowledge or their prior mistakes disqualify them from being a spiritual influence in other people's life. However, if you know enough of the gospel to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you know enough to begin influencing others to believe in Jesus too. And the reality is this. You are more present, much more present in people's lives around you than are any clergy member or church leader. 
because they're with you, whether they're your own children, the people in your family, the people at your work. So it's not necessarily the job of the professionals. I think about that passage in 2 Timothy chapter 1. You remember probably the greatest example in the Bible of the faith being passed on is in the description that Paul gives of his relationship to Timothy, which was the person that he had chosen to mentor, and he really wanted him to carry on his mission and his faith. And Paul, writing about Timothy, says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith, listen to this, that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know now that same faith continues strong in you. Lois and Eunice weren't pastors. They weren't priests. They weren't prophetesses. They weren't anything. They were a grandmother and a mother who had a deep abiding faith in Christ, and they passed that faith on to young Timothy. And so we have to remember that it's not someone else's job. This is a great time to use the little cliche we've heard, if it's to be, it's up to me. Make passing your faith on to the next generation something that is important to you. Another myth that we sometimes see, and if you're a parent or a grandparent and you deal with children on a regular basis, especially those who are approaching adolescence, you're going to really sometimes fall into this. Well, it's just not worth the effort because it's a battle. There's a battle in this world. There is literally a battle raging in the spiritual dimension. Now, you know I'm not, not real big off in trying to define everything in spiritual terms, but there is a spiritual dimension to this world. And the Bible says that there's a war raging, and that war is for people's thoughts. It's for their, their feelings and their affections. And if you don't think that the world is pulling young people away from the thoughts of God, the thoughts of good things, but it's not pulling them towards brokenness, all the various sins and struggles of this world. No, there's a battle. And so the minute you try to begin helping shape people in the right direction, you're going to face what? Resistance. Look, this starts from the very beginning if you work with little children. Look, try to teach a little child how to share. They don't like that. Why? Because it's theirs. So, so you gotta, you got to teach them. Well, look, try to make them mind. They, do they want to listen? No. If They, they want to do what they want to do because that's in the heart of all of us. But that's not where God wants us to be. He wants us, our heart to be aligned with Him and not just self-centered in what we want. And so oftentimes we can very literally say, feel like it's just not worth it. It's too much of a battle. And it's too much of a battle to try to help somebody think right to help them do right, put the right sort of restrictions and barriers in place in their life so that they will do right. Because guess what? The older they get, these teenagers begin to what? They begin to argue their own way. They begin formidable in getting what they want, and so it's, it's a lot of challenge. But it is absolutely worth the effort. So that leads us to something very simple today, and I want to just share. This is not an exhaustive list by any means, but we may ask ourselves today, what can I do to help pass the faith on to the next generation? If you're here today and you're like, you know what? I would like to pass on my faith, what I believe, on to the next generation and see the world a better place. I would hope that most people would want the world to be better. And becoming better would be becoming closer to God. Now, don't get all twisted up in making it synonymous with religion because that's not always the case. Sometimes religion... And religious practice doesn't make things better. So we don't want to confuse the two. We want to pass on a genuine faith. And how do we do that to the next generation? The first thing seems very simple, but we need to hit it. And that is 
the first thing is we have to personalize our faith. You see, we have to have a relationship with Christ if we're going to pass that on in most cases. Now, I don't say in all cases because sometimes you can point people in the right direction and you yourself could be in the wrong direction. This is part of life, but it's not nearly as effective in passing on your faith if you don't have one. Because you can resort to the not as I do as I say, but not as I do, and that's not as effective in any way. So you really want to personalize your faith. Look what that verse said. It says, the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois. See, Lois had a personal faith, and that personal faith spilled out into her influence on her daughter Eunice, and then that spilled out over into who? The life of Timothy. And so you got to have a personal faith if you really want to be able to share that in a meaningful way because that's the way to have influence. Now, many of you at a Christian church are going to have made a decision to have a personal faith. That's what your baptism is. All right, Your baptism is that you're saying, and this is what I went over with David, I went over with Morgan, and I've gone over with no, numerous ones of you, that to personalize your faith is to say, you know what, I'm a sinner. You know, not that the world is a sinner and that the world's bad. We all know that. No, part of that is that I'm a sinner and I need to be forgiven. And that's a humbling thing because to be forgiven means that you've done some wrong things. And so I want to embrace the forgiveness Jesus offers me. And to do that, I'm baptized, buried with Christ, and I'm raised to walk in a new life. This is how you personalize your faith. If you've never done that, man, I would encourage you to really think about it. It's the best decision I've ever made. It's a fantastic way to begin again, and I would encourage you to think about that. But many, if not most, in here have made a decision to personalize their faith. So what do you do? From young to old, how do you help pass on the faith to the next generation? The second thing that I want you to think about is that, that you need to pray. Look, Timothy was on Paul's prayer list. He lists Timothy on his prayer list in numerous books in the Bible. Paul made it a regular practice to pray with a list and to do it and at least mention in prayer those who are precious to him. See, prayer is how you connect with God and you communicate with God. You want to pass on the faith to the next generation, pray for them. Now, you may say, well, how do I pray for the next generation? I mean, you're sitting here today and you're like, hey, that sounds good, pray. That's the Jesus Bible school answer. How do I pray for the next generation? I just wrote some things down and this said, this isn't an exhaustive list, but this is a good start. Number one, pray for God's favor, blessings, and protection. You know, if there's somebody in your life that you want to pass on your faith to the next generation and you, you know who those are, your kids, your grandkids, your nieces, your nephews, pray for them. Look, just bow your head and say, God, I pray for your favor and blessings and protection upon, and just mention their name. And then just tell them next time you see them. Say, David, I prayed for God's favor and protection and blessing upon you. Look, you're not saying you're super spiritual. They know you're not. You know you're not. But guess what? You can talk to God and you can tell God. Pray for them. Pray for them to grow in wisdom. Do you ever pray for people to grow in wisdom? You should. Because there's some people who are really struggling. All of us struggle at points, right? We don't act very wisely. We don't apply the knowledge that we have. We don't apply the things that God has taught us. So pray for them to have wisdom. Pray that they would experience the fullness of Christ. Maybe, maybe that there's some people in your life that you, you know are on the verge of making a decision to personalizing their faith. Pray for them to make that decision. Now, I don't say you call them up and say, I'm praying for you to do this. You might. That might be appropriate. But, but, but just pray for them. Pray that they would come to experience the faith that you've experienced. 
Pray for their friendships to be healthy and positive. Look, in my life, I've seen people's life take a turn for the worst. I've seen detours happen because they have wrong friends, unhealthy relationships. Pray for their friendships to be healthy and positive. Pray for their future spouse and future children. Pray for yourself to have wisdom to know what and when to say something. Look, there's your little list. You want to know what to do to help pass your faith on? Pray for these things. Number three, what can I do to pass on my faith to the next generation? Number three, prioritize. Prioritize. Now, what does that mean? Prioritize means to order the actions in your life according to the values that you have. Now, I wanted to put this in here because it's very important that we prioritize. See, faith is very important to God. Way more important to Him oftentimes than it is to us. In the Old Testament, I want you to just look at this passage that kind of encapsulates the idea of how important it is to prioritize faith to God. He says this is actually in, in the list of where the Ten Commandments are, okay, to tell you how important of a passage this is. He says, You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. The sins of the parents upon their children, the entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Man, it's so important that you prioritize your faith in God so that you can pass that on to the next generation. It's very serious to God. So serious, and we see this, right? You've heard of generational curses. We see people who are bound up in bad decisions that were made by their parents, by their grandparents. Because what? This is the, the nature of sin. It's, it's destructive. It's decaying. And so you've got to fight against that. This whole idea of idols is that we really prioritize God. Now, for them, it's a prehistoric age in many ways, and so, so their idol was like a literal something, you know, like a little literal God that they made out of stone or they made out of gold. Well, we've kind of come away from that literally, but there's still a lot of idols of gold, money, stone, fame, whatever it may be. We've got to be careful and prioritize our faith. Of course, I, this is earlier, but the whole idea that faith is caught as much as taught is here important here. Because if you say you have faith, but your priorities don't align with what you're saying, it's very difficult for the next generation to embrace that. You ask yourself, if you're sincere, hey, what are my priorities? If you want to be honest and you want to do something significant today and you want to grow and this is something that you're really interested in, you ask yourself, what are my priorities? There's a very simple way. If you want to know what your priorities are, there's two places to look. And it will, it will clear everything up for you. You won't have to wonder. Your calendar and your checkbook. Look, when you get out of church today, some point this evening, you go take a look at your calendar and you do Monday through Sunday and you just block out the time. And then you take your, and of course, young people don't even have a checkbook anymore. I've got to quit saying that, I guess. They don't even have checks. All right, how many of you don't even have a check? All right. So uh, your check register, okay? All right. So look at your bank account and your calendar and listen to this. 
If you're honest, it won't take you long to see what you prioritize. If you look at that calendar, and on that calendar is nothing but things that are filled with your entertainment, guess what you prioritize? If it's filled with nothing but work, if it's filled with whatever, if there's not some places in the calendar that, that are related to your faith, guess what? I mean, no point in beating around the bushes. Then that's not important to you. Now, that, the cool thing about faith is you can integrate your faith into whatever you're doing on your calendar if you do that intentionally. You can make your work a part of your faith. You can make your family time. You can make your entertainment. You can do all sorts of things, but you got to be intentional about it. What happens is most people just start filling out their calendar, all right, and they don't even do it intentionally. It's like it's just coming at them. I mean, you ever notice if you don't, if you don't stop things from coming to your schedule, you'll notice that your whole schedule's full, and you're like, well, how'd this happen? And guess what? You'll find that faith gets relegated to a little small part. And then you're like, well, man, okay, I can make it to church every other Sunday or the special occasions. Can't. And then what happens is now your priorities are not aligned with what your values are and need to be. Of course, then your checkbook or your check register, look at what you spend all your money on. If it's whatever it is, that's what you prioritize. Now, this leads to the question that we all must ask ourselves on a continual basis if we want to be a disciple of Christ is, is faith really a priority in my life? Now, most people continue on in their life and they never sincerely ask themselves this question. Number one, the answer may be too painful. Or what they would have to do may be too difficult or they're unwilling. Well, guess what? All those are not really good reasons. But if you want to pass the faith on to the next generation, you have to make it a priority. Do you make the things of God supersede all the other things? Or are all the other things more important and then we fit in what God wants us to do around that? we got to be careful. Number four, what can I do to pass on my faith to the next generation? Provide. Throughout the Bible, we're called to be providers for people in many different ways. There's an interesting passage in 1 Corinthians and Titus how, how God uses those of us who are believers and He kind of says, hey, we're almost like Paul says, I'm, I've become your father. He's taken on a role as a leader to provide for those who are new in the faith. Titus says older women must train you younger women to provide instruction, different things like that. And so we're called upon, if we want to pass on our faith to the next generation, we've got to provide some things to make that happen. Young people on their own aren't going to do it. People who don't have a history and a personal faith, they don't know what that is. It takes someone to what? To tell them. It takes someone to show them. Someone has to provide something. What can I provide, you might ask. thought you'd never ask. All right. I had it prepared for you. Now, this isn't, again, an exhaustive list, but what could you provide if you wanted to see your faith passed on to the next generation? Number one, relationships. Don't discount this. If you want to see your faith go to the next generation, build relationships with people who are not of the faith. Look, if you look at your circle... A number of years ago, probably 15 years ago, I, I don't know what this came to my mind, but I started, I made a little list of all the people that were in my circle. 
And what happened is all of the people were Christians. They all went to church. And I was like, well, I can't reach anybody and help pass on faith to somebody if I don't know anybody who doesn't go to church already or who already isn't a Christian. And so what I had to do is like, okay, I need to just build relationships with people, not because they just go to my church or because I have this in common with them, but just because I'm engaging with them in life. Because guess what? I was already engaging with plenty of people who did not share my personal faith in the places that I worked the people who provided services for me, the folks that played in different things with me, the places that I went. But I, I never was intentional about building relationships with those folks. I'm going to give you a perfect example of how God uses that. How many years ago did you buy that lot from me, Derek? Four years ago, Miss Linda, we sold, we sold a piece of property and that piece of property, I was going to build a house on it, but we decided not to build a house on it. And Derek Ferris and his wife bought that property. And I, I, was, and I thought, I saw him over there, him and his brother Trevor. Some of you have met Trevor. And um, I didn't ask him. He's turning red, but that's okay. He's a, he's a big boy. I want, I'm sharing this testimony because you build relationships. I saw him out there, and I went over, and I started visiting with him. And we built a relationship, a friendship. And ultimately, we ended up doing some business things together. He came to know Christ. He was baptized here, and now he's a part of this congregation. The relationships. It's, it, I don't, and as far as I know, I've never been preachy. I've never tried to you know, go, go throw a Bible at him. Or, it's not like that. It's just a relationship that we have because he's a good dude. He's a friend of mine. He'd do something for me. I would do something for him. And guess what? As a result, now he and his family are part of this fellowship. You could find people all over that you could build relationships with. And it's not to get like a notch on your belt. It ain't about that. It's about being a friend, introducing them to something that's important to you. So are you providing healthy relationships for young people, for the people in your life? That's what you can do to start. Everybody can do that. You don't have to have 10. Look, you can find someone to build a relationship with. Now, if you're sitting here today, you're watching this today online, and you're like, I don't have anybody to build a relationship with. Guess what, Todd, I'm telling them I want them to call you or to call me because we have quite a few people. I mean a significant amount of people who are over in the nursing home, who are over at the Canterbury house, who are, who are struggling. Guess what? They would love to have anybody to say, hey, could I be your friend? Could I spend time with you? So you got no excuses. You got to go do this one, okay? Start building relationships. The second thing you could provide is recognition. Hey, when you see young people doing good things. Do you recognize them for it? When you see people do the right thing and moving in the right direction, do you recognize them for it? When your kids, and this is hard because we get so used to doing what? Fussing at our kids and talking, getting on to them and all that, but when they do good things, do we recognize what they do? You know, when you see a person at work make a good decision, start doing some of the right things, do you recognize that in them and say, hey, look, I'm proud of you. Proud of you for saying that, for doing that for not doing that. You see, you can recognize people and providing recognition to people gives them encouragement in the right direction. It's simple to do. It doesn't cost anything to recognize people. And the final thing, we can provide resources. Look, these resources come in so many ways. 
part of the way that we pass on our faith, and this is just a very simple way, is but when we give our money, we have a building, and here many of you give. We have an offering plate bearing the back, but most all of our folks give online, and they, they do it through the website or whatever. And so you give money, and we have a building here, and we have air conditioning. So on Wednesday nights, we teach kids. We have a downstairs. We provide different things. And as a result of that, you know, we, we, pay, we pay some salaries. Mr. Todd is going out all the time doing the fostering community stuff for us. He's doing things at the nursing home. And guess what? Those resources that we provide collectively are doing what? They're passing on the faith. You know, as a representative of us as the body of Christ here at Pineville Christian Church, people are doing things on our behalf and we're participating in it. And oftentimes we do that not just here, but, you know, if you go downstairs, you'll see all those pictures of those facilities that we've built in the Philippines. I mean, this little church, one Sunday, what was it, like 17,000, Bob? I mean, this people are hard to believe. One Sunday, our little church, on top of everything we do, took up $17,000, and we sent it, and they built a church in the Philippines, providing resources. And then we would get regular reports about how God was doing things down there. We have someone who's probably going to become sharing about what's going on in Cuba, Robert, who's one of our kind of missionaries that we have. And so these are ways that we provide resources. But it doesn't have to just be that. Think of this for a minute. If you were serious about passing on your faith to the next generation, what if you just said, hey, you know what? One, one Saturday afternoon a month, I'm going to invite the neighborhood kids and they're going to come over to the house and I'm going to make them cookies or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that and I'm just going to tell them, hey, how much I care about them, how much I love them. And of course, they're going to be like, why are you doing that? Just, I just want to let you know God loves you and I love you. I mean, it's so simple. You know, or, or maybe your kids are on a sports team and you want to just do something and you want to, you know, I've just been brainstorming all the different ways that you could provide a resource, not necessarily just in money, but in time and talent and treasure, just to help pass on a person's faith. Look, we all see the world. And we see what happens in the world when people turn from God. Their life is less meaningful. There's less purpose, more pain less ability to deal with it. And so we want people to embrace this faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we close today, I want to encourage you. First off, if you've never personalized your faith, and make that something that is very important to you. Not something that should be taken lightly. People often ask, well, we don't always do, we very seldom do altar calls and that kind of thing here. And it's because, you know, Everybody has a different perspective and how they worship and how they do different things. And, and we have just kind of tended here to be in a, it, it been such that if you, know, you, you think about that process and we're open to visiting with you if you want to make a decision to follow Christ, there's some emotional aspect to it, but it really needs to be way more than that. It needs to be something that's well thought out. And so I want to encourage you, if you're in a place where you want to make a decision to personalize your faith, I would love to talk with you about that. Maybe you're not even ready to talk to someone personally about it, but you might want to email me, Pastor at Pineville Christian Church. I can send you some resources, some things to help you. But like I said, many have done that already. And if you have, you should begin to do these other things and maybe some of the others that I didn't list. But start praying, prioritizing correctly and providing resources and recognition and relationship to those who you want to see the next generation experience a personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that as we close, 
that you will listen to what God has spoken to you, that you will make the necessary adjustments, make some decisions. Hey, what should I do? What shouldn't I do? That's the whole value of learning from the Word and hearing from God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for all of the blessings that you give us. Lord, each person who's here that has a faith in your son Jesus was the beneficiary of that faith passed down from someone else. A Sunday school teacher, a parent, a neighbor, a church leader. And so we're very grateful, God, each of us, for those who brought us to this place and assisted us. I pray that each of us who have a personal faith in your son Jesus would make a commitment to passing that on to others. We're so grateful for the commitment that we celebrated today with Morgan and David. May you be with them in this spiritual journey. May you be with us as we assist them and guide them along the way. Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.